Welcome to the busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. Ratings and reviews are crucial to the success of any podcast, and so if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please leave a rating, review, or both. If you do not know how, there are links in my show notes. Information on how to reach me and a link to my website are also in the show notes. My guest today is Taylor Church. Taylor, a self-proclaimed aspiring life expert, is an interesting young man. He's an author, podcaster, and professional spike ball player. He is my first guest to request meeting in my home to record a podcast. He's also the first to make a video recording of the podcast. Church has a large following on Instagram. The photos he posts are powerful and have wonderful composition. You can find him on Instagram at TaylorChurch44. His eclectic podcast of Stone and Clay is available on all major podcast apps. His three books are I'm Trying Here, A Memoir of Love, Loss, and Misadventure, Return Not Desired, and Nevertheless, The Fish Are Dead and The Chair Is Broken. All three books can be found on Amazon. A link to the video of this podcast is in the show notes and also a link to his YouTube channel. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and is used with his permission. And now, here's Taylor. Well, Taylor, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Right. This is a first for me. I've never had anybody actually come to my house. <laughs> and that's funny. I run a podcast and I've only done one Skype one. I, I usually do them all in person. So it's kind of fun to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The thing with a person, if you've got good microphones on either end, and I'm always playing around with uh, various microphones. I have some big professional ones upstairs and things. And so I'm trying a new mic out today. And we'll see how that goes. It's a wireless one. Um, yeah, um, usually podcasters, it's going to be boring for the audience. But anyway, for <laughs> podcasters, uh, they usually do a double ender. Right, right. Yeah, right. so you record on your end, I record on my end, and we send them and get them all matched up. And the, the problem I have, um, I was just sharing that with the audience last week, is I deal with a lot of people that are not podcasters. In fact, most of them are not. Right. And so they don't have the right mics. They don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so audio is always my challenge is to try to get, <clears throat> try to get some good audio going. Well, now you are a friend of my grandson Chandler. Right, right. And where did you meet? We met through our mutual interest slash love of spike ball. Yeah. So we met a couple of years ago I can't even pinpoint the first time we met, but yeah, we just kind of ended up in the same circles and then we both ended up being in the handful of guys that take it extra serious and travel and go to a lot of tournaments and stuff. So, Well, I know Chandler's gone out of state. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even know what spike ball was until I think, well, two years ago, I think I saw Chandler playing with... Well, had to be before his mission, I think, right. that he was playing with the family. And I thought, well, that's an interesting game. I've <laughs> yeah. never seen that before. But uh, is this going to be something that ends up in the Olympics? Um, I think it has a real chance, but not not anytime soon. I could see it in the Olympics in maybe 40 years. Okay. It's just, it just takes, you know, 
There's a lot of obscure sports in the Olympics, but you have to have kind of global following right. or global recognition of it. And so right now, you know, there's spike ball all over the world, but all the good players for the most part are in America. Okay. There's some good teams in Canada, but it would just be an American fest right now. Okay. So. And are there professionals? Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I'm technically a professional. Oh. Um, You're getting paid. Well, <laughs> technically, meaning I'm in the pro division. Well, pro division. Right? Okay. There's just because the sport's so new, um, and I'm sponsored by Spikeball, the company. Oh. Um, and I get a little travel stipend and a few things, but I don't get like an actual, you know, salary or anything like that. But so you're not ready to build a mansion. <laughs> no, no. I if I was just doing spike ball, I would have a very hard time staying alive. Oh, okay. <laughs> but so I'm more semi-pro is probably a better term. Okay. Yeah. All right. And a little bit about yourself. Where, where were you born and raised? Um, I was born in Seattle. Um, kind of raised all over. We lived in Washington and Las Vegas and Phoenix and then moved to Utah when I was 14. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you've been here for a while. Yeah, then. yeah, I've been here a while. I bounced around a bunch though. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what is it you do? Um, I'm a writer. So oh. I have a few books out and running my podcast, like I mentioned. And um, yeah, and spike ball. So okay, well, let's take the your uh, podcast. What is it, and what's um, the purpose of it? So the podcast is called "Of Stone and Clay," uh, with Taylor Church, and it's basically I wanted it to be an outlet where the format wasn't extremely regimented. I wanted to be able to talk about whatever I wanted, and but you know, as as it started, themes and motifs kind of started to form anyway. And so right now it's really about, um, cause most, I'd, I'll do solo episodes, but 90% of them I have guests. And the ones with guests are more about um, just talking about people's trials and things they're passionate about, things they've learned um, in a really sort of reductive way of explaining it. It's about like what it means to be a human being, right? So it's like, I've had guests on where we've talked about the struggles of their marriage and their divorce. And I've had guests on that have talked about um, difficulties with suicidal thoughts and depression and anxiety. And then I've had lighter episodes where we're talking about the importance of friendship and communication and just, just all sorts of topics about, about life. Oh, and yeah. how long has that podcast been going? Um, about a year. Okay, about yeah. a year now. So mm -hmm. you're... He kind of hit a milestone. If yeah, you, if you yeah. got made it a year. Yeah, I started in November of 2019. Oh, okay. Um, and so, yeah, I've uh, was about a year this November. Now, how often does it come out? Um, about once a week. Okay. Yeah. And um, how do you find your guests? Um, there's been a variety of ways I've approached it, but most of them have just been people I've I've known. Um, some of them are kind of friends of friends, references of friends. Um, and a lot of people have asked to be on it and might be on it someday. But, um, but yeah, a lot of them have just been contacts. I've been lucky to have a lot of friends and a lot of people I've met over the years and a lot of people 
throughout the country and the world that I've kept in contact with. So most of them have been people I know. Okay. And um, now, did you serve a mission? Uh -huh. Yeah, okay. I served a mission in uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. yeah, I just I reached out to my first person that is not a member of the church, mm. um, and I'm waiting to hear from her. Um, finding guests is difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. It's it can like be. a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I mean, I probably have a leg up on you with with social media, because um, I'll just post, you know, kind of an, an inquiry and saying, "Hey, uh, is anybody interested in being a guest?" And then I'll have people contact me. Mm -hmm. um, but I have, you know, I don't have an, an enormous following, but I have, you know, nearly six thousand followers, and so it's a lot of eyeballs on your, your yeah. content. On Twitter I've got 3,000. Yeah. But again my audience is I think more specific than yours. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And so it's um, it's a limited uh, more limited market. Um, all right, so you served a mission and um, what now you said you're an author. Mm -hmm. What books have you written? Um, so I've written 3 books and they're, they've all been very different from one another because I write fiction and nonfiction. But um, the first one was sort of a memoir about dating and relationships and being in love and growing up, being in your 20s, just kind of a little five-year autobiography about my life. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second one was about the Holocaust. Um, mm. I was a history major and got really into Holocaust studies and then I went over to Auschwitz and oh. I just had a lot of ideas and notes and things I wanted to explore and it just kind of kept going and turned into a book. And then I just came out with my first novel um, this year and it's just kind of a, a literary fiction coming of age Type story. Okay. Yeah. And are you self-publishing or who's your publisher? Um, I'm, yeah, right now I'm just publishing. I've just published through Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I just had someone else that published through Amazon. My book was done through uh, Cedar Fort. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of people do it through Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Auschwitz. So you actually visited there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So have I. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, I lived in Israel for four years. Oh, okay. And. Um, I really want to get to uh, Yad Vashem. Oh yes, uh huh. Been there many times. Yeah, yeah. And all my neighbors. Uh, now this was in the uh, '80s. Uh, all my neighbors have been <laughs> to one of the camps. Right, right. <laughs> um, or, what were you living in Israel for? I lived in uh, called Ramat Aviv. It was the university town. Um, the Ramat Aviv University is right there. In fact, it was just down the street from me, and that's just north of Tel Aviv. Mm. And uh, we are the three or four families, founding families of the Jerusalem branch. Oh, okay. That's uh, Harold B. Lee's uh, created a branch there. And um, <clears throat> but yeah, I've been to those places, and my neighbors, you know, they have the tattoos on their arms, yeah. the, the numbers, and everything. And uh, I remember being there, and it's just there's something about it. Um, How's your Hebrew? Huh? How's your Hebrew? Not very good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be pretty good, um, although my wife was uh, absolute fluent with an oh, Israeli really? accent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she just was very talented with languages. I struggled. In fact, um, I have a story that <clears throat> I thought I was doing pretty well with my Hebrew, and, and I was with the orchestra, and where they were telling about the next tour coming up, which is going to be, I think, a 12-week tour. 
and we were going to go to Germany and blah, 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 all the places. And so uh, someone sitting next to me said, do you need me to interpret? I said, oh, I'm fine. And so I listened and I thought, okay, I, I showed everything. Well, <clears throat> we ended up in Germany during Oktoberfest. Yeah. And try to find a hotel in, <laughs> in, in, in Germany during right. Oktoberfest, uh, it's almost impossible. Well, uh, our planes were always high security. We, we took the whole plane. It, it went out on the runway, and a bus picked us up from the runway. We never went through the terminal mm -hmm. because people were trying to kill us. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> everyone, we were here on the runway, and people just started going in different directions. And I went, what is going on? And so I asked someone, he said, well, you know, we're on holiday for three days. I go, yeah. Well, we all were told to get our own hotel. What? <laughs> I missed that part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I spent my three days uh, looking for hotel rooms and I'd find one for a night and then have yeah. to find another one for the next night. So anyway, so my Hebrew obviously wasn't yeah. perfect. <laughs> Do they speak much Yiddish over there? Is that more? Yeah, weird? well, the, the, it, it's more Yiddish expressions right. you know, uh, that, that, that you, you get. And yeah. uh, in fact, uh, we used to have, I don't know what happened to, but we used to have a, a Yiddish dictionary, mm -hmm. which was really great, yeah. you know, like chutzpah. Right, right. Uh, the definition of that was... Um, it's like courage. Uh, well, no, um, a, a person pleads for mercy with a judge for killing his parents because he's an orphan. <laughs> Okay, right, right. <laughs> that's that's what's about. So, but yeah, it was a lot of things like that. But no, I um, I enjoyed Israel and I enjoy the Jewish people. I um, had some great friends there yeah. and things. But uh, yeah, Auschwitz. Uh, there's just a feeling in Auschwitz that never leaves you. Right. Yeah, and I I don't know how these deniers can possibly deny something which actually took place but yeah and people suffered tremendously it's just uh, unbelievable so well th those are as far as books that's quite a spread there now right. you talked about dating and everything mm. are you married yeah I'm not they're not married no I'm, okay. a, I'm a wild single man you're a wild single man <laughs> <laughs> well um, as far as your family uh, growing up did you grew up with the scriptures or how did it work um yeah my my parents were were active um we were never we never did like an amazing job at doing like weekly family home evening or nightly scripture study but we had little spurts where we would do it um and i think for me my love of the scriptures really came from just my love of reading, right? And because I loved reading and learning, the scriptures were just another thing to read and learn. And, you know, it's, it's kind of indoctrinated in you that you need to read the scriptures. And so, um, so I gave, you know, I gave it a shot. And like most people, I wasn't really raptured by the scriptures as a child or a young teenager. Um, it became, you know, it became exponentially more important to me once I was on my mission. You know, that's that's when really things started to move forward. I would say. Well, now, what motivated you to serve a mission? Um, honestly, I wouldn't even call it motivation. I would just call it what I always knew I would do. Well, expectation. Yeah, but it but it, it wasn't an expect like it was. I'm sure it was expected of me from certain people, but I never felt pressured or like. 
I got to do this because people want me to. I just always wanted to. Oh, okay. Um, it felt like an opportunity to possibly go someplace wild and learn a new language and a new culture and, and serve people and teach what I believe in. It sounded great to me. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Well, and then being in Utah from age 14, you said. Yeah. You, you had uh, release time for uh, yeah. seminary. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, in seminary, were you pretty active with that, or were you the kind that just sat in the back of the class waiting for the time to be over? No, I was, I was pretty... Uh, um, I participated quite a bit. I wasn't... I never loved memorizing scriptures. Mm -hmm. It was never my thing. Um, and I, to this day, I'm not... I don't consider myself a great scriptorian, but... Um, but I loved learning the context, the historical context of scriptures, especially with, um, you know, the, the biblical stuff that when you're young, it's just so hard to wrap your head around some of those stories and understand why we're talking about kings and chronologies and, and all these Jewish laws. And it's all very confusing, but um, so I loved having some context mm -hmm. to that. And again, I wasn't, reading a ton of scriptures on my own at home in high school. I would, you know, try to read a little bit every night. Um, but, um, and, and yeah, I didn't love memorizing scriptures, so I didn't put a ton of effort into that, but, yeah. Hmm. Well, now, you said you were a history major. Mm -hmm. where, where did you go to university? Uh, UVU. Okay. Yeah. And uh, my first wife was a history major. Okay. And she'd always come back from the classes, and mm -hmm. I guess I'm a, a secondary history major. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but um, honorary, <laughs> yeah, honorary there. Um, but uh, yeah, we. Uh, it's it's a hard major. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, very. It's not, and people, I think maybe it's memorization of. Um, 1812, <laughs> right. there was this war. That's not what it's about. It's about... Um, it's about writing. It's about, about writing, <laughs> and, and that's what I think brought you into being an author. Right. It's about writing and contemplation. Right, yeah, it's understanding historical concepts and historical um, philosophies even. Yeah. You know, and... Well, it's like the Civil War, what really caused the Civil War to begin. Right. Uh, you know, I think most people would say, well, it had to do with slavery, but that's not necessarily true. Right. Well, yeah. It, it's, it's under, I mean, there's other factors yeah, involved. Yeah, you know? it's understanding that most most events, most historical events have a lot more, you know, that built up to that than, right. than you realize and a yeah. lot more that goes into it. And when you start to, what I loved about history is the more you learn about history, the more you learn about you know, geopolitics and geography. And then you get into geography, you learn more about topography and you learn mm -hmm. more about geology. Mm -hmm. And they just, you, things start to connect in a mm -hmm. really big way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that should have, how does that affect you with your scripture study of being a history um, major? Well, like, like I said, I think to me, I look at I look at scriptures and I want to know the context, the historical context, right? So... When I'm reading um, in the New Testament and I come across, you know, old uh, old city names, I, I, I stop and I look them up and I want to know what was happening. You know, was it a, a Roman Empire? You know, 
was it in I want to know where it is in modern day whether it's in modern day Israel or Jordan or Syria I want to know kind of visualize where it actually is taking place right now and that makes it more interesting to me and more real and more live and same thing with the Book of Mormon with with anything um, reading the Doctrine and Covenants you know knowing more about church history and knowing what was happening in Missouri what was happening in the United States with the government and all the laws that mm -hmm. affected all these things it just it makes it all all that much more clear because when I read the scriptures I want to be asking questions and when you have historical context a lot of those questions are already answered but that allows you to dig even deeper, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, has your scripture study changed since you've been on your mission? Since you're back from there? Um, it's been just a up and down roller coaster. <laughs> like, it's just, um, it, admittedly, there's been long periods of time where I just have not been good at it, haven't prioritized it. Um, and that's, you know, no one's fault but my own because you can, you can blame a million things. You can say you're busy, but you're not too busy to do other menial things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not like, you know, these long periods of time where I don't have very meaningful scripture study. It's not like I'm not ever watching TV or not ever doing other time wasting activities. It's just, I feel like you need to, you need to get in a good system and kind of build momentum. Otherwise, it just becomes like a task that you want to check off a list, and it's it's not very enjoyable that way. Yeah, no, it certainly isn't. Well, where are you at now as far as are you on a schedule? or? Um, I just barely kind of got back onto, into a good place. Um, and then for me, for me, when I'm in a good spot with Scripture study, it's because I'm excited about it. Mm. You know, it's... Um, it's not necessarily that I am reading X amount of pages or X amount of minutes per day. It's more about I'm excited to sit down and study the scriptures, right? And I just barely finished the Book of Mormon a few days ago. And I do this thing where every time I reread the Book of Mormon, I get a new copy. Um, and and um, And I often will... Each new time I read it, I'll do it with a companion book, like a book of commentary or something. Like, I brought this because I, I haven't even really started it. I've just read the introduction, but I'm starting the Book of Mormon and reading it alongside with this. It's called Commentary on the Book of Mormon. Yes, yeah, um, I'm very familiar with it. Yeah, and, um, and this is cool because this is a first edition copy I found. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited. I love this stuff, just getting new insights because... I mean, listen, I've, and I, I should have read it way more times, but I've read the Book of Mormon eight times. Mm -hmm. And so I know what the stories are. I know what it's about. I'm sure you've read it dozens of times, but it's like, I need new ways to think about it and new ways to yeah. approach it to yeah. stay engaged. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's not just the, the reading, it's the pondering. It's um, uh, thinking about it. Um, I just interviewed uh Glenn uh, Roy Lance, uh, at his pod, that that podcast came out this last well yesterday, um, and uh, he talks about the um, uh, McKay method of studying mm -hmm. the scriptures, 
and um, he said, there's no such method called that, but right. anyway, um, what uh, President McKay used to do is he would, he says, you read, you ponder, and you write. Mm -hmm. And then you start all over again. Yeah, yeah. You read, you ponder, and write. And as a someone who likes to write, mm -hmm. uh, I think that would be very helpful for you. Yeah. If you actually either handwriting or typing, whatever you want to do. Yeah. But um, this morning when I was studying, um, you know, some revelation came as I was there pondering and thinking, and and um, and I'm I actually started studying the Doctrine and Covenants about four months ago. And I read the Book of Mormon every day uh, and study it, but I thought, well, I also want to get the Doctrine and Covenants, not thinking that they're going to start in January with the Doctrine and Covenants, right. so I'm almost done. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, you know, I sometimes read that, like the Doctrine and Covenants, and this person's supposed to go on this mission, and that person go on this mission, and this person stay, and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to get from this? Yeah. What, what does this have to do with me? Mm -hmm. But I'm finding and I'm discovering, and a lot of people I interview that are very successful with the scriptures, it's the pondering. Right. It's the taking the time to just think. Yeah. And things come. They, they, they always come. It's, it's a, a wonderful feeling to, yeah. to have that as you're starting to write. I sometimes starting to write like, I'll even write, why am I writing? <laughs> right, right. And, and see, what I'll, what I'll do is... Because I try not to force my writing, um, but what I'll often do is I'll look for a specific verse that really touches me or that I've seen in a new way and that kind of moves me. And then I'll decide to write almost like my own little commentary on that verse. And then as I'm writing, you know, things start to pop up in my head and I start to make realizations and interesting parallelisms. But you know, I did that the other day for, again, I'm terrible at remembering scripture verses, but a verse in Moroni that talks about how faith and hope are basically intertwined, you know. Um, and it just hit me in a really new way, just thinking, you know, because it said something about like, um, there's no faith, there's no hope without faith or vice versa. And I started thinking to myself, well, Sometimes I, I honestly feel hopeless about certain things, you know, whether it's about dating or other personal things. I feel a real sense of hopelessness, but my faith I know is intact. And so I have to stop and remember and that if my faith is intact, my hope is also intact. And it was just a new, a new way of thinking for me. And so I just wrote, wrote it out. It was about a page or something, not even, you know, wasn't wasn't anything amazing, but um, but yeah, I like to search for little nuggets that stand out to me, and that I feel like oh, I can write something that feels feels unique to me. And do you write on paper or do you type? Um, I I usually type it out. I'll usually make little notes in my scriptures, mm -hmm. and then if I have a bigger idea, I'll go type it out. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, our time is about up here. Um, enjoy talking with you, and uh, I'm going to have to look at those three books here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, they will be in the the program notes. Gotcha. So they'll they'll be in there, and I'll have to take a, take a look at that. Um, I don't know if you know or if you've heard the podcast at all, but I always ask 
to end with uh, your testimony. Oh, wow. Would you mind doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. I, I, will, I will add that mostly, mostly due to COVID, I haven't borne my testimony in a very long time. <laughs> um, but, and to me, it's funny, I almost, I almost view bearing my testimony as sort of analogous to scripture study where sometimes, sometimes I don't want to do it because it feels monotonous or it feels like I've already done it a million times or I'm not expressing anything new. But um, the truth of the matter is, on a daily basis, if I choose to, to recognize it and choose to be awake to these moments, I feel Christ in my life, and I feel Him not dictating things, but I feel Him, I feel His presence and His effect in my life in an, in an undeniable way and to me that's that's the most important thing to remember is that Christ is with me all the time um, and obviously obviously I have a testimony that the, the scriptures are real and true um, the church is true all these things but at the end of the day I know that Christ lives and Christ loves me and Christ is there at all times for me. Thank you.